0: When I was a little girl, my mama used to lock me in the attic when I was bad, which was pretty often. And I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower by a wicked queen. And then suddenly this knight on a white horse with these colors flying would come charging up and draw his sword. And I would wave and he would climb up the tower and rescue me.
1: Welcome to the Graveyard Slot, where we talk about movies past their prime time.
0: Here, we revisit old favorites with a fresh perspective to see if they deserve more credit or if they should stay buried.
1: I'm Sohini. And I'm Sarah, and today we're talking about Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman follows Edward Lewis, a businessman with a string of failed relationships, who finds himself lost in Hollywood Boulevard when a prostitute comes to his rescue. Vivian ends up escorting him back to the hotel and getting swept up in Edward's world of unfulfilling luxury. This movie was released in 1990 and directed by Gary Marshall, who directed other Julia Roberts movies like Runaway Bride and, of course, The Princess Diaries movies.
0: So this movie has a 66% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which Sarah was especially scandalized by because this is one (laughs) of the movies that she really likes. I myself hadn't seen it before, but I did think it was a beloved rom-com and somewhat of a classic, so it is surprising to see that it's got such an average rating from critics.
1: Yeah, and the reviews I found from when this movie first came out weren't entirely positive either. I think the review that you found is one of the negative ones, right?
0: Yes, the one I found is from Entertainment Weekly, and it reads, It's saying Roberts' character becomes a better person when she lands a rich guy and learns to cry at the opera. Which, I mean, honestly, I'm a little bit speechless at this review. (laughs) It's like saying Ratatouille is about how humans are better than rats, (laughs) you know? Or rats are better than humans, whichever. That's not the point of the movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this review is also confusing to me because the movie isn't really about being a good person or being a shitty person. It never really moralizes. Like our main character even isn't like looking to become a better person in the moral sense. So it's weird.
0: I don't know where they could have even got
1: that from. (laughs) Did you watch the movie? They're equating being, quote-unquote, better off
0: Mm. to being a
1: better person. You're right. Which would still be quite the take. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know where you would get that from. The thing is, like, I saw this sentiment in a lot of reviews really yeah or like something to the effect of everything's better once you find a guy or whatever and it's like that's the exact thing that they kind of debunk at one point you know yeah i think you
0: make a good point they might be conflating the two things about being rich and being a good person but the movie definitely doesn't. I don't think they ever try to paint one character better than the other and they're both interesting characters. They're both really complex and what's nice about the story is that they make each other realize things about each other that they hadn't before. They grow together and it's not, as you said, about being a good person or a bad person
1: (laughs) i think especially with this review it's talking about like at the end of the movie she's a better person than she was at the beginning which again i don't think is the case like she's in a different circumstance but neither the movie nor the characters really look down on vivian in the beginning of the movie if anything this just says more about the reviewer (laughs) But a similar sentiment is in this review from Empire. It reads, A modern-day treatment of Pygmalion and Cinderella rolled into one. It is graced by first-class performances from two easy-on-the-eye stars and a sharp, funny script. For one, I agree that the script is hilarious. <laughs> but I don't think at its core, this movie is really a Cinderella tale. It's like watching a Christmas movie, any Christmas movie, and saying it's a Christmas carol story. <laughs> I don't think this movie explores the same things that Cinderella does. The things that it does explore don't really hinge on Cinderella story beats. The quote-unquote Cinderella story beats are present, but they are not, in my opinion, what drives the turns of the movie or the revelations in our characters.
0: I think if you just look at the starting point and the ending point, I can see where the comparisons to Cinderella are coming from. But if you look at the actual story, I think Cinderella's is a lot more like a self-discovery without the involvement of the prince it's more her by herself whereas in this story it's much more the two characters growing with each other i guess you could call it like a rags to riches thing right but that's not the main point of the story (laughs) edward could be you know not a billionaire or whatever and it would still be the same story it doesn't have to be rags to riches it just
1: happens to be imagine if like They don't end up together at the end. This movie still would keep most of its arcs. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Cinderella, I think ending up together is kind of crucial to the story, to the arcs. Yeah, that's a great point all right so we will be discussing this movie chronologically as always and we open at a party thrown for edward lewis this businessman whose job is acquiring companies when they're vulnerable buying them out and then profiting off of them by breaking them down he has a lawyer named phil who kind of runs his life and who he relies on a lot and he has a girlfriend who he's on the outs with and in this opening scene they break up on the phone and (laughs) we learn that he's bad at relationships and is emotionally unavailable and blah 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 and he's very like distant you know when he's breaking up with his girlfriend when he's storming off from the party but yeah he decides to leave and takes phil's car which is a lotus it's very important (laughs) okay this is a detail that i adore the fact that he's not used to driving himself and so he's driving really recklessly and really poorly in phil's car and i really like that detail i think it says a lot about him and his upbringing
0: and yet he's so stubborn that he won't listen to phil when he says he's going the wrong way (laughs) It just ends up at a dead end. Oh, wait. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting that they don't start the movie with Edward at first. They started with the people around him because there's a guy at the party doing these magic tricks. And I was expecting that to be the main character.
1: Can you imagine if Edward is this dude who does magic at parties? <laughs>
0: Well, I what I mean is I was expecting him to be really suave and charming, but uh. turns out he's the more awkward, more withdrawn and reserved guy. And the fact that we don't see him in the beginning, it's almost like he's not just withdrawn from the guests at the party, but also withdrawn from the audience too. And once we get to see him, there's a really stark contrast between what everyone is expecting him to be and what he actually is. Because there's this line from phil that he's probably off somewhere charming a woman or something when he's breaking up with his girlfriend and yeah as you said i think we can tell a lot about his character from just this opening the fact that he says goodbye to her after she's already (laughs) hung up the phone even that little detail also the magic guy (laughs) he has this line where he says that it's all about money and I think that's actually a really good way of introducing what is a major thread in the movie because money kind of is what ties Edward and Vivian together in the beginning the fact that he has it and she needs it (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) in addition to not being able to drive very well edward doesn't know his way around la so he gets lost and ends up on hollywood Boulevard now this is where we get introduced to Vivian the first thing we see is her getting ready she's putting on her boots and her wig and her cap and her makeup and I like this that we get to see Vivian putting on her persona and her armor and like the things that she needs to do her job and I really like her wig because her clothing is quite revealing and yet She's actually quite covered up, like her real self is so covered up, all the way to her hair. So I just love what they do with this look, because it's supposed to be really revealing, but when you think about it, it actually hides so much of her.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's a great way to put it. And I think you can sort of see this duality in her character This bravado and the insecurity when they're at the hotel and she's very conscious of all the fancy guests staring at her and especially the way she interacts with one of the hotel workers who brings them room service when she thinks he's staring at her but really he's just hovering around for a tip that kind of thing I think is really interesting and tells us a lot about her character and I think as you pointed out her styling fits into this really well as well yeah I really like the contrast between Edward's introduction and Vivian's. They're kind of immediately established as night and day, quite literally. (laughs) Edward was introduced during the day, Vivian at night, and Edward's surrounded by people, Vivian's all by herself. Edward doesn't hesitate to leave the party in front of a bunch of people, whereas we see Vivian sneaking out of her apartment to avoid the landlord. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and also Edward is withdrawn in his own party Whereas Vivian is going out of her way to search out what she needs You know, she's looking for her roommate And it's clear that she's very familiar with the people that she's interacting with
0: Yeah So I really like where they start us off with these characters. And then as the story progresses, we can see that maybe they're not quite so different and they have their similarities too.
1: But yeah, we get to know Vivian's life as well. She has a roommate, her best friend Kit, who's also a prostitute, but she's really reckless in other parts of her life. Like she spends their rent money. They are at kind of opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Kit's a lot more experienced at this as well.
1: Yes, we also learn that Vivian is quite new at this job, and Kit is the one to guide her through it so far. And, you know, we get to know her neighborhood. And I like how, from the very beginning, they establish LA really clearly, and especially, like, this corner of LA that's notorious for this kind of life. Like, I love how Gary Marshall establishes his settings. Just like... (laughs) Just like in Princess Diaries, or San Francisco is... So in the fabric of the story. And here, LA is so baked into the story as well. I agree. Also, Kit as a best friend reminds me a lot of Lily Moskowitz from Princess Diaries.
0: Okay, if we're gonna do this, we might as well do it formally. So why don't you introduce your theory and we'll see how much evidence we can find to prove your hypothesis.
1: Well, I am a believer that Pretty Woman and Princess Diaries is basically the same movie and I don't really get how anyone can watch these movies and think they're different. I don't mean that as a bad thing.
0: The texture of it is very similar. I have to be honest with you, when you first told me this when I hadn't seen the movie yet. I was already unconvinced. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How dare you?
0: But I apologize. I take it back. I'm sorry I doubted you because I agree. I think even if you're just looking at the surface, there are many, not even similarities, they're the same thing. Like <laughs> the exact same things <laughs> in this movie. So yeah, there's some very obvious parallels on the surface but also beyond that I think as you said the way the settings are established and also the way they choreograph some of the scenes really reminded me of the way they used movement and levels in the Princess Diaries. So I think just even beyond the surface
1: level, there's so much. Yeah, like the fire escape in this movie compared to Mia's Tower. Yeah, I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> Actually, a really important thing that we learn here is that Kid and Vivian don't have pimps, is the way they word it. They control what clients they take and when and how much and it's a big thing that they take pride in and assure themselves of repeatedly
0: when other things are spiraling out of control that's the one aspect of her life that's in her hands.
1: That's a great point. This movie is all about what you can and can't control in life, both for Vivian and for Edward. And the fact that this is present so early in the movie, I think definitely is a big part of the movie, if not the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, and it's not just this as well. I think the little things they establish about each character in the beginning, we can see woven throughout the story and really ingrained in their character growth. So it's it makes for a very cohesive story and really fleshed out characters so what i really liked about this introductory scene of kits is that she becomes very defensive about what is her quote territory (laughs) and i really like that they measure their territory by the stars (laughs) on the hollywood walk of fame just the juxtaposition of their situation versus the luxury implied by those stars and the fact that they spend all of their time walking all over those stars. Yeah, that's a great read. Just the whole concept of the stars in general, (laughs) I think, is just really... (laughs) Just, like, not even in this movie. I'm like, there's people walking all over those things every day. and.
1: (laughs) this is when our two main characters finally meet. Kit encourages Vivian to pick up Edward when they see his fancy Lotus in his car, but he's not really interested, he's just kind of trying to go to his hotel and failing miserably. So instead, he asks for direction and Vivian charges him for it and he's like, fine, (laughs) whatever, I don't care, I just want to go home. He is very like roll with the punches and this is a thing that I really love about his character. Even though like he doesn't live the kind of life that Vivian does, he's not like naive or scandalized by anything that Vivian says or does. And it serves as a nice counterpoint for
0: Vivian's as well because she's always doing something weird. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that Edward first catches Vivian's attention because of the car and not just because it's a fancy car but because she actually knows cars and likes them and when they're driving along she's kind of talking very openly about her background and her interests, I really liked that she's free to do that because initially when he asks her what her name is, her response is, what do you want it to be? And I really like that for what it implies because, you know, as you said, she's ready for this job with her armor and her own identity kind of gets lost because of the nature of her profession. But with Edward, it really seems like she can be herself. And because of that, I'm convinced that Edward would be charmed by her.
1: Yeah, I love the relationship they strike up right off the bat. Because like you said, their first introduction to each other is when Edward asks for her name. And she spouts, you know, an everyday line for her profession. And Edward makes it clear that that's what he's here for. And it immediately changes the atmosphere between them. Because Vivian now knows, not that she thinks like, oh, this man is now safe or whatever. But like, she needs a different approach. To Edward the relationship that they're starting up here is more friendly than it is anything else and so she's leaning more into that she kind of sheds away that you know mystique and that sexy persona that she was putting on for Edward and just kind of changes gears <laughs>
0: <laughs> that works on so many levels
1: <laughs> and he Is particularly amused every time she pulls out, like, one of her tricks, you know, from like her job. He just humors her all the time, and it's so fun. When they arrive at the hotel, he tells her his name is Edward. And Vivian's like, Edward's my favorite name! And he's like, no! <laughs> and it's, it's just like, they're both in on the joke and it's so cute.
0: They lay a very convincing base for the relationship to be built on. You never question it because it just, it makes
1: sense. Actually, I love that moment when he asks her to stay. It's, a kind of quiet scene where she's sitting on a bench waiting for her bus and he kind of just stands there. The dialogue is very sparse, but the actors really chew on it and there's so many long silences between them that speak a lot of what they're each thinking and it's not really about him like hesitating it's almost like he's enjoying this experience and like her company yeah savoring the moment almost just this setting of the city and it being at night in front of this really fancy hotel that isn't even in the shot you also don't see vivian's face you only see like her posture and you can totally see what she's thinking
0: that's a great observation and actually the setting here also now that you you pointed out I think makes a lot of sense because it's sort of like not really in his world yet and not quite in hers either they're just somewhere in between and right on the cusp of something i guess and i think the actors really embody the characters' sentiments in this moment in their physicality i really liked the shot of vivian sitting on the backrest of the bench and edward standing behind her and just little things like this add so much to the story and add so much nuance you don't need to have everything explained in dialogue or everything said out loud it's quiet but it says so much
1: yeah and like you said just the way she's sitting she's not doing it properly like she never does (laughs) I love that about her character. She never sits where you're meant to sit. Yeah, and it's so consistent and that's such a small detail, but it's one that's so prominent. And you know, going off of this, the way that this actress plays Vivian, the w- way she moves, her gait, especially the way she walks is so distinct and it's just supposed to like emphasize, you know, she's supposed to stick out like a sore thumb even when she's all dressed up. Who she is will always shine through. And it's not something can change
0: we find out that Edward rents the penthouse at the hotel, even though he's afraid of heights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this detail. It keeps coming up. Their humor meshes so well because he's so dry.
0: yeah, I also really like the banter between them. it It always felt really natural, and again, I think just like Princess Diaries. The interactions they have in terms of dialogue are mirrored in the way they move around the space. There's this moment where Edward sits down on an armchair, I think, and puts his feet up and Vivian saunters over to him and just as she's about to sit down where he's put his feet up, he moves them out of the way he's kind of dodging her physically the same way that he is verbally
1: which is funny because once he kind of turns the tables on her because like he really just (laughs) (laughs) wants to hang out she's immediately at a loss i love how it shows that she's not the best at Playing the role when it comes to talking and seduction because like she's always like let's get down to business but she's not playing him she's not seducing him but yeah I really love this whole thing about her being a newbie at this job that whole part really fascinates me that she doesn't quite know how to be the kind of persona that she should to get Edward to Be the John that's gonna shell out all this money.
0: Right. And there's layers to it as well, right? Because there's also the fact that, separate from her job, it's also a very new environment for her. This is not the kind of place that she's used to. So, all of that is just very well conveyed in the way that she acts and in the way that this character is portrayed as well. There are these moments where Vivian will say these things that are very obviously (laughs) lines that have been fed to her. As you said before, there are instances. Of this afterwards as well, just throughout the movie, and her inexperience really
1: shines through. <laughs> yeah. She's just regurgitating these lines, and it's so stiff and robotic, and she's not good at it. Like, I love that detail. And, like, she is good at other stuff. It's just like this part of it. And we get to know more sides of her. There's this line about her condoms, and she's like rattling off what she has, and Edward is really amused by it she's like, I'm a safety girl, and (laughs) That paired with how she flosses later on. Mm. I just love how her rough around the edges character pairs with her also careful trait. It's also like not because she's like a good girl or whatever, because she says like, I got clean at like 14. (laughs) So like we know that (laughs) she's had a rough life. And this is something that she has grown into. This is the way that her character has been shaped by the world, that she has chosen to become this safe person, this careful person. Person. It makes for such a three dimensional character.
0: Yeah, it's the layers again. She is weirdly cryptic about the floss though. Because <laughs> I guess it's something that she doesn't necessarily want Edward to know initially that she's doing.
1: <laughs> I think it's because that's a part of her as a person. True, not her persona. And that's what always unsteadies her, right? Whenever she throws out a line or acts the part and Edward throws it back in a way that's revealing of her as a person, she doesn't know what to do next you know (laughs) i also think it's really interesting how edward is the one who's used to taking his time and you see this as he's you know settling into the penthouse and vivian is the one who's always like go 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 and concerned with time passing especially you know as it relates to her pay and i know in the scene it's framed as her working by the hour but i think it still counts because it's present in other aspects of their character as well because you would think that Edward the businessman in a rom-com would be the one who's like always on the go or whatever and Vivian would be the one who's like opening his eyes to just enjoying life or whatever (laughs) but that's (laughs) not really the case with these two
0: yeah you're right I mean to some extent she does make him take a break but like it's mutual I think
1: he takes a break As a consequence of her being there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I don't think that's what he learns. (laughs) That's not what I meant. He still prioritizes work over
1: everything. This is actually interesting because in the beginning, we get a whole thing about like Edward asks an ex of his, did she talk more to my secretary or like my assistant or whatever than you did with me when we were together? And she's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) And that's framed as like, oh, he works too much. But they never resolve it. The thing that they tackle is... What he chooses to do with this life. What his work yeah. is. So now that you mention it, that is weird. I feel like that whole thing with the ex should have been something different.
0: Yeah, that's true. Because he, even until pretty much the very end, he's always putting work first.
1: It's never framed as an issue that he works too much. It's just a trait. Except for the one time. <laughs> it's like as if they were gonna go down that line and then they they never do. Oh, well, we found one <laughs> slight flaw There's also a thing where they keep portraying Vivian as someone who has kept some sense of innocence and pure joy, I guess, about some things, like the floss scene and the I Love Lucy scene where she watches it. And it's not like she's supposed to be childlike. She is young, for one, but also she's very carefree. And I think all of this being portrayed while they're already telling us the kind of past that she's had just goes to show that she is actively choosing to be this way. She does find these small joys in life and revels in them and enjoys them to their full extent. That's a good thing
0: she found herself in the penthouse because Edward certainly is not enjoying it to the full degree. (laughs) He's never even been on the balcony, doesn't even know what the view looks like. And that's also really interesting that unlike Vivian, he can afford all these luxuries and he takes them because he's got the liberty to take them, but he still can't enjoy it to the fullest extent because of his own inherent character because of his fears yeah
1: One of the closing shots of this scene is when Edward touches her hair. And there's this shot of his reaction to it being a wig. It's like he's disappointed to find it fake. And it's this thing of him finding new things about her over and over and over again. Just unraveling layers. It's like he's looking at this depiction of her. And then he's literally reaching out to touch it and suddenly finding it fake. That's such a great shot too. They put such a focus on it and it's such a tight shot and it's beautiful.
0: I didn't catch that, but that's a great observation. And it ties in well with the next scene as well when he (laughs) sees that she's taken off the wig and it's like a revelation that there's yet another layer that he's managed to uncover. Also, they met like five minutes ago. (laughs) There's going to be plenty of layers. (laughs) (laughs) So the next morning... Edward and Vivian get to know each other a bit more while they're having breakfast. Once again, Vivian just comes in and sits on the table (laughs) when there's a (laughs) bunch of chairs. And I just really like this detail about her. I think this is one of the really charming ones and one that they keep doing consistently. And I think it's impressive the way they managed to make this small thing such a noticeable part of her character and an important one even without having it interfere with the pacing of the story like this could be something that might get in the way and slow things down or break the momentum but it is intertwined with her character and the way that edward also responds to her
1: just it all works together so well a lot of it is also not in the dialogue yeah the way he tells her to like get off and stuff it's all just in gestures it's so good when
0: she first sits down and they're talking you can tell he's immediately (laughs) he immediately wants to tell her to get off the table you can tell from his expression so yeah a lot of it is non-verbal and it's so well done
1: In the beginning of the scene, he's on the phone with Phil, his lawyer. They're talking about like a business meeting that Edward wants to go to on his own. And Phil doesn't trust him. Like he treats Edward like a child. He's acting like Edward can't handle business. And it just says a lot about their relationship and even about how Edward has let people kind of take the wheel at times. I get the impression that as of recent years, he's kind of been on autopilot. But we learn stuff about him later that clearly shows that in the past he has had agency he has chosen to do things that are driven by his own desires
0: yeah seems like he's kind of lost his way and it makes sense because it doesn't seem like he's particularly passionate about what he does at least not anymore if he ever was and it's interesting, really, that he met Vivian when he took the wheel.
1: Like, the literal wheel. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good! (laughs) Actually, I'm realizing that you're right, he has lost his passion for this because he implies that he's doing this kind of, at one point, to spite his father. Oh, yeah,
0: and his dad died.
1: It's almost like he has lost the driving force for why he wanted to do this in the first place. Right. I also love that when he explains his job to vivian she equates it to running a chop shop (laughs) yeah it shows like you can dress it up however you want it's still a chop shop you're no better than i am it's what the movie is kind of portraying
0: yeah and he can't even deny it because his meek defense is that yes it's like that
1: but it's legal (laughs) which is such a great dressing down of this whole thing. It's all the same. It's just a matter of one being legal and one being not. And I think in the context of this, the review
0: that I found makes even less sense because the movie is very clearly not drawing that comparison between, hey, the work he does is legal and it makes him a lot of money. So that makes him superior to Vivian. So the lawyer is insisting that Edward have a companion for this important business dinner he has to go to. So Edward asks Vivian to spend the week with him as... His employee, basically. And there's this line that I really like here because he says that he wants Vivian to be at his beck and call, which is the phrase that his ex-girlfriend used when she was breaking up with him. She said something like, she can't be at his beck and call all the time. And it's really interesting that he kind of seems to have taken that to heart And he's sort of, it seems like, determined to get rid of the emotions part and just be very practical about this. And so he's like, fine, if that's how my partner felt, then I might as well just have that with someone who is my employee. And cherry on top, there was a pun because Vivian was like, you know, as much as I would like to be your beck and call girl. (laughs) I love that line.
1: (laughs) they're just so like open and honest and playful with all of it it's quite nice
0: it adds such a nice dimension to their relationship
1: they're such good friends
0: exactly and it's like they're on equal footing because with this kind of dynamic it would be very easy to go into the gray area of like a savior complex and the movie could get into that territory i mean and it's no good (laughs) it's no good (laughs) Vivian accepts his offer to stay for the week and when she does, there's this line she says again that she's clearly been told to say about how he won't want to let her go after this week is over and the delivery of it was just perfect because her inexperience shines through it so well. I think it was done well.
1: Since they're gonna be having a business dinner that night, he sends her to go shopping and she chooses to go to Rodeo Drive. And then, police at one of the stores slides her and won't attend to her because of the way she looks, and she's all upset. And she goes back to the hotel only to be confronted by Joey. <laughs> <laughs> His name here is Mr. Thompson, but he is Joey from Princess Diaries, and I love him. <laughs> Not Joey, Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just really had a bad day. <laughs> But basically, he obviously knows that she's a prostitute and he's saying, like, they don't allow prostitutes to work there and it all kind of culminates in her bursting into tears and Joey feels bad, So he helps her out and sends her to a department store and she finally does get her dress.
0: I think they do a good job of building the relationships between characters, even if they don't appear on screen for that long. Like, the conversation that Vivian has with joey it's littered with code words because they're both well aware of the reality but joey turns out to be really understanding and he sets his prejudices aside and also his job and whatever that might entail aside and it's just helping out another person so thanks to joey vivian manages to get a dress and she and edward go to this business dinner this is with mr morse who um edward wants to buy his company from and tear it to shreds and obviously mr morse isn't pleased about this idea and so we get this scene where they're having this quite tense discussion while in the background we see vivian (laughs) sort of messing about there's a lot of similarities again with the princess diaries with again the fish out of water thing i really like
1: how vivian ends up being the reason that these clients take a liking to edward or at least the older mr morris takes a liking to edward it's like she humanizes him in this dinner her presence there is the reason that she is able to point out to edward that he secretly likes morris she needs to be there at the dinner i love how she and Morris interact and how they bond over not knowing which fork to use It's just, it's great
0: <laughs> yeah i agree that vivian's presence in the meeting was important because she was able to pick out certain things about edward that maybe he's not aware of or even if he is maybe he doesn't want to acknowledge it and so this is kind of like the start of the turning point for edward in the way that he looks at his career i did think that vivian's shenanigans in the background of the meeting were funny, but they did feel slightly disconnected from what was going on. The part that
1: made me nervous is the fact that she kept interrupting and asking stuff about the dinner, but I like that she does that because it's because she's missing the etiquette or something. She lets herself take a bigger part in the dinner, just like space wise, you know.
0: And it does end up serving an important purpose so the meeting doesn't end up going (laughs) particularly well. And so they're back at the hotel, and there's the scene of Vivian and Edward talking about what happened. And the way that this is set up, Edward is sitting by the door to the balcony, and Vivian just charges past and sits right on the edge of the railing. And it's the little details again that reveal so much about their characters and their approach to these situations. Because again, Edward is just too scared to take that step. Whereas Vivian, as you say, she doesn't have that impulse to be cautious. She's more bold about these things. And I think this is where the similarities between them also become more apparent because Vivian is able to understand Edward's unspoken feelings. The fact that he likes Mr. Morris and when they get onto the subject of his dad she understands pretty quickly that it's not something he wants to talk about at the moment. So like, even while they're wildly different, we're starting to see them come together on a more equal footing and have more similarities between each other.
1: A big similarity that is highlighted here is when Edward talks about how he doesn't get emotionally involved in business. Yeah. And that applies to both of them. That's how they both work.
0: And she gets it because it applies to her, but because this is a completely different world, she's able to be so much braver than Edward. I mean, in a way, ignorance is bliss for her she doesn't really know the ins and outs of his world
1: yeah and like you said i really love the setup too with the balcony and where they're placed and how that plays into the conversation that they're having because i love how it's shown that he isn't brave and he plays everything safe and how that contrasts with the fact that in business his company is the predator (laughs) yeah i also really love this line where he says You and I are such similar creatures, Vivian. We both screw people for money. And what I love about that line is that, yes, they both quote-unquote screw people for money. And yet, I think Vivian has more integrity. Yes! and yet edward is the bad guy here vivian is the one with the moral high ground there's nothing wrong morally with what vivian is doing and everything's wrong with what edward is doing it's not quite the same but it kind of adds on to the whole chop shop metaphor i love (laughs) this yes i've noticed well that night edward kind of wants to be on his own and so he goes to the bar and he's like playing the piano there as one does (laughs) yeah (laughs) they end up having sex on the piano and i really love how this is played out because she smashes some keys on the piano and the notes are discordant and it's like portraying how they both feel at this point in the movie and in their relationship kind of because they're at this point where they've had like not a nice conversation the topic was (laughs) unpleasant yeah it's turbulence and the discordant notes portray that and i really really love it and how they're covering it up with like sex right and they're playing into the roles that they have chosen to fill for each other in this partnership so they like fall back on that but you can tell from the piano that it's all like about comfort or anything it's just like covering things up and it's turbulence
0: that's a great reading of that scene i did not give it that much thought you could also see it kind of as like with the piano representing sophistication or being polished or whatever it's class with the pressing the random notes it's sort of like setting that aside it's one more layer and this time it's edwards yeah more shopping. Yeah, more shopping.
1: This time accompanied by Edward himself. And look at who we meet. Paolo. Yeah, it's <laughs> Paolo from Princess Diaries.
0: <laughs> they might as well have just cast Julia Roberts as Mia. <laughs> I have to say, as far as shopping montages go, I think I have seen better, to be honest.
1: Last Holiday, for example. Oh, right. That's a great shopping montage.
0: I just think they kept ruining the momentum with Paolo's interjections and trying to flatter Edward and stuff. It was just kind of there.
1: (laughs) You see here, actually, and you see it with other people too, like Phil and everybody else, but Paolo would say things and Edward here also rolls with the punches. So it's like, it's not just that Edward is particularly comfortable with Vivian, even though he is. It's also just the way he always is with everybody. He's never phased. So it's up. Like, he's only funny with her. Like, he always is. It's just in his circles, especially, people don't seem to appreciate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess part of it is also the fact that he has grown up in this world and is so acquainted with it. He doesn't really have any delusions about the reality. Like, he knows it's not really him people value, it's his money. And he's very grounded in that reality.
1: Yeah. But the next time we see Edward at work is when he has to push the Morse deal through and he starts talking to Phil about his work, basically. He echoes something Vivian said, the fact that he doesn't build anything, he doesn't make anything. You know, it's clear that he is unsatisfied with this kind of work and he realizes it doesn't have value. And it's one of the first moments that we see him kind of change his mind about his work.
0: With the scene that we just had with him and Vivian before I think it leads on so naturally that he would start questioning his job and his career trajectory and the next scene that we get is him and Vivian talking more about his family and we learned that his father left him and his mom and so there was a part of him that was for a very long time really angry with his dad and we find out that His dad's company was also one of the first that he took apart. I love that.
1: (laughs) It's so petty. I'm like, yes, good for you. (laughs) You dedicated 14 years. An entire career, yeah. And I think that's like so common. We all do shit like that. I don't know. So many people like find their path because they were doing something out of spite. (laughs) Yeah no that's that's true especially with something like this where it is such a big thing for edward at least it shaped who he is it literally shaped his entire life
0: yeah and 14 years (laughs) is a long time and it's like his whole legacy is built on basically taking some kind of petty revenge on his father and even after he took his dad's company apart and sold its pieces he still continued doing it and it's like a bad habit that he just can't give up. So I think in the context of this scene, it becomes significant the fact that he's finally questioning what he's doing with his life and we can see how Vivian's revelations have sort of helped push that process along and this is where we can see how they're mutually affecting each other and it's not just her benefiting from him
1: it's also like the fact that in the beginning of his career he bought out his father's company and took it apart and then he kept doing it to other companies it's like he's chasing for the same satisfaction that he got from when he did it to his father and not just satisfaction but like control because when he did it to his father it means he was suddenly able to have the upper hand over his dad. There's nothing else he can do to his father. This is the one thing he can control in any way to do with his dad.
0: And it's backfired on him because he's kind of lost control of the trajectory of his life trying to grab onto this illusion of revenge (laughs) that he's got.
1: He's become trapped himself in this cycle, in this job. It's entirely changed from what it does to Edward in the beginning than it does now. But they attend another event together and it's a polo game vivian meets phil for the first time and immediately doesn't like him for good reason but because phil keeps like needling edward edward ends up telling him like who vivian is and how they met and stuff which is a bad choice yeah (laughs) phil is immediately gross about it and this is when they
0: have a big fight vivian is understandably upset that after spending all that money dressing her up in fancy clothes Edward decides to go and tell people about her job and I really like the way this scene is choreographed there's a push and pull in their conversation that's mirrored in the way they use the physical space like they're walking back and forth and disappearing and reappearing in the frame it's
1: just really well done gary marshall's direction is really clear in this because it's present in his other work as well and it's so well done but yeah vivian is really upset with edward and he's making her feel like a thing he can control that he possesses that's such a big thing for her right like having control over whatever that she can but in the fight she tries to use what she and kid always say yeah About not having a pimp and everything. But what I really love as well is that she falters like two thirds of the way through. She doesn't make it through the whole thing. And she finds that it doesn't make her feel as powerful and in control as it usually does. And it's really heartbreaking. Another way I could read the part where she falters is the fact that she realizes sort of she doesn't have control because she has willingly given up a part of herself to Edward, like emotionally. Hmm. This is only able to happen because I fucked up. I strayed from this rule not as it applies to her work necessarily but like herself instead because that saying doesn't just apply to her work it's also about her personhood you know that's the part where like you know life is unpredictable and blah 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 the faltering is kind of like her realizing that that's not true anymore when it comes to edward because she has let him get to know like the real her and everything
0: that's a great way to read that it makes sense because when she falters she repeats The line, I decide who, it could work both ways because in a way she can't decide who (laughs) because she's already let Edward in and it's like she doesn't have that choice anymore of deciding who to let in because he's already there. And it could also apply to herself because she usually has this array of personas that she can choose from or she leaves it up to her clients to decide who they want her to be. But here her real identity is already out there and she doesn't have that liberty to decide who she can pretend to be in this moment anymore because it's the real her
1: i love this whole idea of opening up yourself to someone and that meaning that you lose some control of your feelings and yourself but yeah she wants to leave and edward gives her the money but she doesn't take it
0: the way he drops it on the bed i think instead of handing it to her probably made her think twice about taking it
1: yeah he catches up to her by the elevators and apologizes but yeah, they go to San Francisco. They basically have a really nice couple of days. And at the end, she kisses him on the mouth. <laughs> yeah, Scandalous. That's the most scandalous <laughs> part of this whole movie. Actually, I really love how this scene starts because at first, she touches her own lips and then she touches his with her fingers. The fact that she dips her toe in the water first shows a progression and almost like a realization on her part of her feelings and of what's brewing between them.
0: Yeah. Their week is coming to an end. And so the next morning, Edward tells her that he would like to see her again. And initially, she's very happy. But then he tells her that he's arranged for her to have an apartment. She can go shopping whenever she wants to. And that's obviously not the kind of relationship she was envisioning having with him. She wanted to be a constant and not just someone that passes by in his life once in a while and he leaves money for on the bed. So they have another disagreement and this time Vivian goes out onto the balcony and she's telling this story about when she was younger and she used to daydream about a knight rescuing her. And she really looks like she's standing in a tower when
1: she's telling that story. Yeah. Also that it's shot from below.
0: Yeah. And I really like that Vivian goes right to the edge of the balcony when she doesn't want to talk to Edward because she knows that he can't follow her there. (laughs) She's emotionally way further than he is. And he's still too scared to take that step.
1: Yeah, the core of the problem here is that he decides it and assumes it's what's best for her and that she would even like it. Again, we already know that agency and autonomy is a big deal for her. And he should be able to understand that (laughs) given that he's also
0: fighting for that same agency in his life.
1: I really like that Vivian has an idea of the kind of relationship that she wants and even though she does have feelings for Edward she does want a relationship with Edward when offered with something that doesn't match with her desires she isn't willing to settle I think that's just so wonderful the fact that these two people have found partners who suit them and who they are very fond of but they have a frank kind of awareness that they are not looking for the same thing and they are actively choosing to not be together regardless of how strongly they feel about one another i think it's such a like realistic take on both the romance but also friendships because they're still like really good friends. And I think
0: it's very apparent where both of them are coming from. You can see how they would be incompatible no matter how strong their feelings are. Because Vivian, because of her background, she wants that idealistic fairy tale while Edward kind of disillusioned with everything that he's grown up with. He's more cynical and much more grounded in reality because of his own family background the thing with his dad and so like you can tell where these feelings
1: stem from yeah you're right so basically Edward kind of loses her here you know romantically but he actually starts Making changes after losing Vivian. He ends up blowing up the deal that he has with Morse and instead of buying out his company, decides to go into business with him. There's an awful scene after this where Phil attempts to sexually assault Vivian in the hotel room, and thankfully, Edward shows up just in time and throws him out. And I really love this conversation that Vivian and Edward have about how there will always be. People like phil in edward's life if she were to stay with him and not only that but if she were to stay with him in the same role which is what is implied with his offer for that there will always be people who look down on vivian i also like that vivian walks away when edward asks her to stay the night as a romantic partner she's just so emotionally mature and smart with her decisions, <laughs> which is so in character. It's so like in line with everything that we've learned about her, and that makes it satisfying.
0: I think it's a testament to how well these character arcs are done, that it is satisfying when she chooses to walk away from him because it doesn't feel like we've built up so much only to have it crumble down. It's still a satisfying resolution. Like you said in the beginning, even if they didn't end up together, it would still be a complete arc on its own. This is where it becomes really apparent that romance is not really the point of the story it's how these characters have developed with each other throughout it's a part of the story it's just not a crucial part it's not like everything falls apart if they don't end up together once vivian leaves we see him try a few new things he walks on grass for the second time in his life i (laughs) assume but there's also like this shot of him standing on the balcony that night And he's almost at the edge, but still not quite, just like in his relationship. It's like he wanted to stand where she did before, like in their relationship, but couldn't take that final step. And it's like, I think he needs to address that final step before they can end up together. Because I'm not convinced them ending up together is like the happy ending. I feel like they would still have issues.
1: Yeah, they definitely would. But I think it does show that whatever they stumble onto an issue, they kind of do a great job of talking it out, even if they're fighting. I think they can be solid.
0: True. Their communication mechanisms are pretty healthy. Like, it's one of the least toxic relationships I've seen depicted in, (laughs) like, 90s movies (laughs) or, like, early 2000 movies even.
1: Yeah. So when Vivian leaves, there's actually a part that I really like where she talks with Joey, (laughs) whose name is Mr. Thompson, and she says her goodbyes. But I really like this thread that they draw between Vivian and Joey. And she's like, we live in the real world. You know, they have more in common in terms of the kind of life that they lead and the kind of life that they know than Vivian does with Edward. And I really like how the movie highlights this.
0: They're both Edward's employees, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah and especially like contrasted with how in the beginning joey is painted as kind of at odds with vivian but at the end of the day they have more in common than either of them do with edward it might seem differently because joey kind of lives in this his world but he doesn't he's just yeah another employee like you said
0: That's a great observation, and it actually makes me think of earlier on when Joey and Edward were interacting very briefly, and he even went to tell Edward that he's the hotel manager, but Edward just sort of brushed him off and didn't even listen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it ends with Vivian packing for San Francisco and saying goodbye to Kit. She has enough funds to pursue something else in San Francisco. Maybe opera singing? (laughs) And Edward is leaving for the airport, but Joey tells him that Vivian also took their car to her place and so his driver would know where she is. Kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Edward does end up showing up at her place with a bouquet of flowers, basically playing out the fancy that she had laid out for him.
0: This is where I'm a little bit unconvinced by the ending and what convinces Edward to suddenly get all romantic and buy flowers and show up at her doorstep i feel like there was one last stepping stone missing before he got to that point yeah
1: what i like here is like it is a way for him to say without saying anything that he is stepping up to the plate and i also like the call back to the top floor how it's instead vivian's shitty apartment
0: I think this is how the balcony scene in Letters to Juliet should have been. Because in Letters to Juliet, we just got a random balcony where they tried to reenact the Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. But here we see Edward using this urban landscape as an impromptu tower to climb up to Vivian, similar to what she dreamed of when she was younger. And it's like he made her daydream come to life, even within the constraints of reality. And I just really liked how they meshed everything together. Vivian's idealism and Edward's cynicism and, you know, the fact that they do exist in this world where technically there would be so many hurdles in their way, but they're each willing to meet each other in the middle. I think they balance each other out really well that way. And it's also like with the penthouse, it's like a physical manifestation of his wealth. He's literally towering above the rest of society in his penthouse. It's the best, he says, but it doesn't mean anything to him. And with Vivian's place, in contrast, there's this direct juxtaposition When she calls it the best, obviously she's being sarcastic, but to them it is the best because it's emotionally fulfilling. It means something to them. This is her home and this is him embracing her as she is. So even if it's not materially the best, to them this is the height of luxury, being in each other's company in a place where they can be
1: together. Yeah. So, in absurd conclusion, Vivian goes on to
0: become. An opera singer in San Francisco. Yes.
1: (laughs) So what snacks would we pair with this movie? Champagne and strawberries?
0: Oh, that's a good one. He orders everything for breakfast. Oh, yeah.
1: I don't know. I'll just have everything for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've discussed this movie in excruciating detail, what are your thoughts?
0: I expected this to be a classic rom-com and i think it delivers and i think it goes beyond that because it is a fun rom-com on the surface but there's a lot more to it as well in terms of the themes that they're exploring which might not necessarily be the typical route i was very pleasantly surprised by the complexity of the characters and the way that they bounce off each other and the way their character arcs are developed and everything. And I think it holds up overall as a good story. So I'm definitely glad that this podcast gave me a chance to watch this movie finally. And to anyone who might not have seen it yet, I definitely recommend it. What about you?
1: Yeah, clearly I love this movie. I think I disagree with you in the sense that to me, this is a classic rom-com and every other rom-com is supposed to be this good. (laughs) It's funny and it's poignant and it's thought-provoking and it examines so many things about identity and life and the choices that we make and I just love it. (laughs) I also love especially the dynamic that they are able to build because it is about a businessman and a prostitute. Even though like what happens in the movie isn't what you would think with that trope you know but like they're only able to build the kind of relationship that they end up building because of who they are in relation to each other and in relation to like the world i think all of the good stuff that's like they are equal partners and blah blah blah. that is even more valuable because of the dynamic that it is playing within so yeah highly recommend this to literally everyone so that's all for our episode on pretty woman If you have any suggestions for movies we should discuss on the podcast, send them in at graveyard underscore slot on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at thegraveyardslot at gmail.com.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Graveyard Slot.